Sarah, what do you think? You ready to get started? I'm ready when you are, Jane. Okay, great. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our Speaking of Wishful Recycling event today. We're so glad to have you with us. I'm Jane Wilch, your Recycling Coordinator, and with me today is our wonderful Climate Action Coordinator, Sarah Gardner. Welcome, Sarah, and happy Valentine's Day. Well, hi, Jane. Same to you. And you know, I have to say, I feel like we keep lucking out with the timing of these conversations because I actually think you can learn a lot about what works and what doesn't in recycling just by thinking about Valentine's Day cards. Do you think, should we start our conversation there? I think we should. We can talk about Valentine's Day cards. Before we do, though, let's do just a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, so for those of you that are joining us for the first time, welcome. For those of you that have been with us before, welcome to you too. Uh, we're glad to have everybody with us today on Valentine's Day. Speaking of events are very much open conversation type of events. You're not going to see any slideshows or charts or anything like that today. Uh, which also means that we really want to hear from our attendees, from you today. So we will be asking some questions throughout the talk today. Uh, before we really delve into the topic of wishful recycling, though, we do want to invite all of our attendees now or throughout the talk today to add any questions or comments you have directly into that Q&A box. Uh, we'll incorporate them, build them into the conversation as we go, or we will also address those during the Q&A session at the end. That's right. And, you know, we also want to say, like many others in the Zoomiverse, we have previously had some technical difficulties at times with our connection freezing. And we want you to know, first and foremost, we are working on solutions to this. That's actually partly why you see Jane in a different setting today. Um, and we're also going to ask you for some feedback at the end of this conversation to help us think of, through possible ways forward. But in the meantime, just know if either of us cut out momentarily, we will be right back. And we thank you so much for your patience with us as we work through these issues. We're super glad to have you join us today. Yep. So Sarah, what is this you wanna tell me about Valentine's Day cards? I'm intrigued. Well, as you know, Jane, a lot of the challenges with recycling just begin with getting stuff stored. And some Valentine's Day cards can be recycled and some can't. The ones that can are simple paper cards, but any cards that have glitter on them or foil accents or bits of plastic, basically any card that has some non-paper something or other added to it, chances are that's going to make that card too complicated to recycle and it's going to have to get sorted out. I always think it's worth remembering that anything you put in your recycling bin, someone else, some other person is going to have to take it back out. Especially when we're talking about wishful recycling, just knowing that one thing can make a difference. I completely agree. And when we hear that, we might think, well, there are large machines that can do that, right? And yes, there are definitely these sophisticated machine systems that do a lot of the basic sorting. So paper from plastic, from metal, from cardboard, et cetera, and even some finer distinctions within there. But you know, beyond that, um, there are humans behind these systems. Um, so uh, the sorting process that we're talking about here, where this occurs is in these big facilities called MRFs. So what that stands for is a material recycling facility 
or a material recovery facility. We hear both. Uh, in Iowa City, any of the materials that our curbside customers put in their blue top cart at the curb or anything that we see going to the drop-off locations like the Eastside Recycling Center, that material ends up over in Scott County. So the Waste Commission of Scott County in Davenport, Iowa, about 50 miles from here. Um, so, you know, in general, if we think back to the Valentine's Day cards, for example, what Sarah's talking about, if we put that in the bin, if we put other materials in that bin that should not be there, there's somebody else down the line that has to sort that out, another human being that has to sort that out. Yeah, you know, and it's the same story, actually, not just for Valentine's Day cards, but chocolate bo boxes, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. The cardboard boxes can be recycled because they're cardboard. Unless they have glitter or foil or fabric or plastic flowers on them. You know, I have to say, I actually really love the term MRF. It's one of my favorite sustainability terms um, because I think it's like the cutest possible name for an industrial operation the size of a warehouse. I have actually been to the MRF in Scott County and seen a bunch of our recycling material being processed. Um, and you're exactly right, Jane. Those systems rely on people to do the final sorting. So if anyone has ever been tempted to put something in the recycling bin that say has like some food still on it, that's a common culprit. Yeah. Um, and I think the thinking behind it is often like, oh, well, I'll put it in here and that food material will get cleaned off of it when it goes to get recycled. You know, big thing to remember is it won't. And in fact, someone else is going to have to touch that item to take it back out several days from now when it is good and gross. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And it's not just about it being gross, even though that really is bad enough. Uh, that sorting costs a lot of money. Uh, and if we think about it, if there's a lot of stuff that really needs to be sorted out, meaning there's a lot of contamination in the mix, that makes it more expensive. That means that we're going to have to either hire more workers, uh, we're going to have to get more sophisticated machines, if that's even possible with current technology. It might mean that we have to slow down the conveyor line in order to pull that contamination. Um, either way, it can make it very, very costly. And that honestly is before anything is even getting recycled. Yeah, that's right. Because when you're slowing down the conveyor line, in the end, you have to have more shifts or hire more workers. Yep. And you know, all of those costs figured in ultimately decide whether or not something can be recycled, including if a load gets so contaminated, which is the term that gets used for when material that can't be recycled is mixed in with material that can. Um, if a load is too contaminated, it becomes too costly and too difficult to get sorted, and then it just gets sent to the landfill. And that's actually where that perception comes from, that recycling just gets landfilled. Because I know, Jane, you get asked about that a lot, and I do as well. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of contamination, um, why don't we do some quick wishful recycling questions? I was thinking today it might be fun to do a lightning round. And certainly we've had a number of questions that have already been popped in the Q&A. So why don't we ask everyone listening to put something in the Q&A box that they aren't sure can be recycled. And we'll just give a quick yes or no. And then as we keep talking about them, maybe it'll become clear why. You know, um, how does, how do you, what do you want to do, Jane? How about I read them out? And because you're so nice, you can give the yes and no answers. I am fine with that, Sarah. That sounds great, yeah. So it looks like at the top of the list, there's a question about corks, um, and this okay. includes rubber corks and wooden corks. Okay. Uh, rubber corks would be regular trash. 
uh, other types of natural corks are fine to recycle via our bin at the Eastside Recycling Center. I bet you can answer this one too, Jane. What about corks that sometimes you see in whiskey bottles, corks that have a wooden top based on just what we were saying about things being made of more than one material? How might that guide us on those kinds of corks? Yeah, so if we're looking at a cork recycling program, uh, and we do some different things with our corks in Iowa City, sometimes we're doing upcycling and reuse, so this is kind of a split answer. Uh, if we're doing the reuse and upcycling, sure, you can use whatever you want, but if we're talking strictly about recycling, we are talking about only natural corks in that bin, so the ones that have multiple materials like the wooden top, the cork base, or a foam base, a wooden top, those unfortunately would not be part of that program, so no, it would just be regular trash. Oh, Sarah might have froze on us. Okay, I will keep going through these questions then. So aluminum foil balled up, uh, that is completely fine to put into recycling if it is clean. Uh, so making sure that we do have, you know, any food removed from there. Sarah, you're back with us? Yep, I am. I am. Were we still talking about corks? <laughs> uh, no, I just did aluminum foil. So oh, we can great. keep going down the line now. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have a question from Feather Lacey who said she has at least 12 items that she wants to show and ask if we can recycle them. I'll just say, unfortunately, Feather, we don't have a way of turning the videos on due to the way the Zoom is formatted. But if you want to just type those items into the Q&A box, we'll get them answered for you. Yep. Um, the next question comes from Miriam, who lives in North Liberty, Jane, and she wants to know how the guidelines differ for North Liberty from Iowa City. And I know, of course, you serve the whole county and not just Iowa City. Is there any quick comment you can make here? I think the big difference there is glass. Uh, so if you are a curbside customer in North Liberty uh, that is contracted through Johnson County Refuse, which will accept glass in their curbside program. Uh, that's a big difference in Iowa City. We don't accept glass. And I know they do have all their guidelines on the Johnson County Refuse website as well. Um, so the next question is about old underwear. Can you right. put it, in, should you put it in the garbage or can things like bras and panties be recycled? Not a super simple answer to this. Uh, so in general, the city does not currently have a textile recycling program. However, if you regularly donate things to either Goodwill or Salvation Army, they do have at the point of donation, they sort through everything, inspect it, anything that is not able to be resold on the sales floor, they actually have a salvage program for. So technically, uh, you could provide it through that salvage program, check with Goodwill or Salvation Army first, uh, but that would be the main option if it's something that's past use. All right, the next one, one that gives you and I heartburn both. It's a question about the kinds of plastic that comes wrapped in uh, Amazon shipping bags. You know, those things that are sometimes labeled as recyclable. Sure. Name on Amazon. And I assume you're talking about like the air pockets. Mm -hmm. Air pockets are also just plastic wrap that gets wrapped around products. Sure. Okay. So first of all, the first priority with those is reuse. So if you are shipping something, if you are moving, whatever, uh, try to reuse that at home. Or if you want to get rid of it and want to offer it to somebody else to reuse it, another option would be the mailboxes of Iowa City Business Downtown. They do accept clean air pockets, bubble wrap, et cetera. Uh, if it is beyond that point, you can't donate it for reuse. Uh, anything, the rule of thumb is if it's stretchy, you can recycle that via plastic bag recycling programs, typically at local retailers. We always recommend go by their guidelines, but rule of thumb is if it stretches kind of like a retail uh, grocery bag, then it's okay to put in that program. And at least 
the air pockets and bubble wrap and wrap that I know is usually a little bit stretchy. So if it's stiff and crinkly, trash. If it's stretchy, it can go in those recycling programs at stores. Fantastic. Um, so the next attendee had been told by someone very ambitious that they need to put plastic and aluminum cans through the dishwasher to make sure they're clean enough to recycle. And they have a question about whether that wastes too much water or electricity. Is this the right thing to do or can they just simply rinse them out? Simply rinsing is completely acceptable. Uh, the main thing is we just need to make sure that there's no chunks of food left. We don't want any food residue. As long as it's clean of that, it does not need to go through the dishwasher. You know, as a climate coordinator, I have to say, I love that question. I love the way it's thinking about electricity and energy use as part of the mix. That is great. Yeah. All right. Um, plastic bottles that now have a plastic shrink fit label encasing them, should that uh, label be removed before the plastic bottle goes in recycling? You can leave labels on plastic or metal. Fantastic. <laughs> How do you spell MRF? That's M-R-F. I'll take that one since I love it. So yep. um, what about address labels, bumper stickers, things like that, that get put on other things? Yeah, uh, that is fine. So if we're thinking junk mail and mail, for example, uh, there's a lot of great examples in that. So whether it's address labels or some of the plastic sleeves we see inside envelopes, that type of stuff is actually okay to leave um, on the paper. Same with cardboard boxes. If you've got some tape left, uh, just the process of how that paper goes through a pulper when it ends up at the paper mill, uh, any of those non-paper materials are actually sorted out um, and then the pulp is separated to be recycled into new products. So yeah, it is, it is okay to leave those on. Um, the next one comes from Allison and she's asking for tips or advice on reducing wish cycling in the workplace or organization. I actually will give a little pat on the back to Jane here. She's done this really great thing in City Hall where next to shared recycling bins, there's also a box of shame where anyone who spots things that are in the recycling bin that really shouldn't be there can be removed so that folks have a chance to see what it is before it gets taken away to be thrown away. So that's actually a great technique because there's a bit of education involved. Sarah, Any other tips you have, Jen? Jen? Well, I, I need to not take the credit for that. I think that's actually just awesome city employees that are trying to be really conscious about recycling. I've seen some departments do that. I think it's great because it's, it's education right in front of you when you're going to the bins to throw something away. Um, Jane, could you clarify if milk or broth containers can be recycled? So we're talking about cartons. Um, yeah. And probably it's worth mentioning cartons that even have the plastic spigots. Those are all fine. Uh, so we typically refer to those as aseptic packaging, or we just, you know, in our outreach generally call them waxy cartons. So those are completely fine to go into uh, recycling at the curb, or if you're taking those to a drop-off location, uh, that would go into the paper bin. So typically what we see with those is soup, juice, and milk. Uh, so yes, those are completely fine. Okay. Looks like Sarah might have frozen up. I think uh, we'll probably continue on. We'll have plenty more time to review what's going on in the Q&A. Like we said, please feel free to add any comments or questions to that, and we'll keep referring back to that as well. Um, so thank you, everybody, for these questions. We really appreciate that. Some great discussion so far. Uh, chances are 
everyone in this discussion, including Sarah and I, have probably put something in the recycling bin that was not supposed to be there. Uh, and how do we know this? Well, the Environmental Protection Agency actually collects data on this. So they uh, look at recycling data across the United States. And uh, what they have found is that about 25% of everything that ends up in the recycling is not supposed to be there. So that's about one in every four items is considered contamination, um, which is quite a lot. So what it really comes down to with that, the majority of what we're seeing with that is wishful recycling. So when we see uh, somebody putting something in a recycling bin that either they feel bad about throwing in the trash, or maybe they're just not really sure if it can be uh, recycled or not. And so they have high hopes and put it in the recycling bin anyway. Hi, Sarah. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, I think you might be on mute. Said I think I jinxed myself being the one talking about the technical difficulties we've had. Um, and actually, Jane, when Zoom let me back on, it cleared out the Q&A box for me. So I think you may have to take it for those last few answers. Oh, no, that's totally fine. Um, I think so. We are, I think you were just about to tell me about some of your guilty contamination mistakes. Oh, oh, so we've already talked about how one in four items that go in a recycling bin can't be recycled. I just, yes. yep, I just shared the EPA stat with our attendees. Yep. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. It is embarrassing to me now, but, you know, before I worked in recycling, I made a lot of those common errors that um, most people do. And I'm sure that on some, in here and there, I still make errors because this can be surprisingly complex. So I used to put in things in my recycling bin, like plastic forks and spoons, ink pens, yogurt containers with the wrong recycling number on them, like a five or a seven instead of a one or a two, hoping like maybe they could get recycled anyway. You know, and with ink pens specifically, I would think to myself, well, this is made of plastic and it's made of metal and plastic can be recycled and metal can be recycled. So great, this pen must be able to be recycled. Um, and when I remembered that, Later, when I worked as a recycling coordinator, it kept me from being, you know, angry when I had to do things like pull an entire exercycle out of a drop-off recycling bin, because I knew that that person had made the same good faith mistake that I had made, thinking parts of this are made of plastic, parts of this are made of metal, must be recyclable, but yeah. it doesn't actually work that way, especially for curbside and drop-off recycling. And one of the things you learn early on is that if there is a rule of thumb to the complexities of recycling, it's usually that only simple items made from a single material can be recycled. So anything that has to be pieced apart, like that, like that exercycle or those ink pens, mm -hmm. um, that's more than a curbside program can handle. The same story with the Valentine's Day cards. There isn't a good process mechanically for separating them out. So they aren't simple enough to be recycled. Though, if you want a pro tip and you have one of these Valentines right now, you could tear the paper part, like if it has just a plain paper back, you could tear the back off from the front that has the foil and glitter, put the foil and glitter part in your trash and put the plain paper part in your recycling. Yeah. Really, you can apply this idea about keeping things simple to so many different things. Like toothbrushes, they're made with bristles and a handle that are different materials, so they're tough to recycle. Coffee cups, that's paper with a wax liner, different materials, tough to recycle. Mm -hmm. I know, Jane, this is why you and I both raised an eyebrow when a certain single brew coffee company said their coffee pods could be recycled. 
Yeah, those pods, we get a lot of questions uh, from our residents about those pods. And uh, the problem with them, just like what Sarah's explaining, is that they've got multiple different materials that help to filter that coffee. There's not a simple way to separate those different materials out. So the plastic from the sort of paper um, or metal foil, there's just a lot going on in there. Uh, and they're also very small. So that's another challenge in uh, sorting recyclables in terms of successfully capturing it in that conveyor belt system. Yeah, that's exactly right. With anything really small like that, it's likely to bounce off the conveyor belt at the MRF, which is moving very fast and jostling the material. That's why one of the other really great recycling pro tips out there, incidentally, is to put your bottle caps back on the bottle before sending it to be recycled so that those bottle caps don't bounce off the conveyor belt and end up in the pile of material rerouted to the landfill. Yeah. One other thought I had too, Sarah, you mentioned, you know, tearing the front of the, you know, holiday cards, Valentine's cards, whatever it may be. That is also a great recycling tip to apply to other situations. You know, um, some of our residents have composting, some might not. We could apply that with pizza boxes where maybe you've got a cheesy, greasy bottom, but you've got a clean top. If you don't have composting, tear that top off and put that into recycling. That's perfectly fine cardboard to recycle. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still on the coffee pod discussion right now, though. So you it's know, so easy when you start talking about these tips, when you think about it, what you're really doing with the, with the pizza boxes and with the Valentine's cards is taking that sorting that is difficult to do elsewhere and doing a little of the sorting yourself at home. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. Let's talk coffee pods. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think too, there have absolutely been efforts made. Um, we have to give credit to that. You know, I think um, some of the coffee pod companies that we know very well walking down the grocery store aisle, um, they've tried to make them recyclable by using a number five plastic, since that is technically accepted at most municipal facilities, such as Armour over in Scott County. Uh, I will say, though, accepted is a very telling word. That does not always automatically mean recyclable or, or equally recyclable as some other types of materials. Uh, so sometimes, you know, plastics are really the tricky material, very different than cardboard and paper and metal and some of these other materials that are a little bit more straightforward. Um, so there's a lot of different kinds of plastics and it's driven by an economic system. So sometimes uh, recycling companies or uh, plastic mills want a certain type of plastic and just depending on what's going on in the world or in markets, sometimes that changes. Sometimes they want one type or another. Uh, and so with that, instead of constantly having to change the education and the marketing to the consumer, sometimes the MRF just takes, you know, a mix of many different types of plastics because we'll let the pros at the MRF sort it out, especially with some of those fluctuations and what can actually be accepted. Um, so just understanding that there is technically a difference between the word accepted and recycled. Sometimes what that really means is, you know, give it to us and we'll figure it out if it can be recycled or not. Yeah, that's exactly right. Those folks at the MRF are so good at what they do. Um, you know, and actually you mentioned that the coffee pods are made from number five recycle or plastic. Number five, as we know, is a really recycling unfriendly plastic. And that actually brings us to the barrel of monkeys, which I brought in today, um, because I find it a useful way of understanding the recycling limitations of plastics. 
Do you want me to get my monkeys out, Jane? <laughs> I absolutely do. I've been waiting for this, Sarah. <laughs> so um, here are my monkeys. And the way they relate to plastics is that all plastics are made of long chemical chains called polymers. And all you really need to know about polymers is that the longer the chain, the more flexible it is and easy to mold into different shapes. So just like this long chain of monkeys, you can move it around. Literally, that is why plastics are called plastics because they have this quality known as plasticity, the ability to take different shapes easily. Now, one and two, number one and two plastics are made of these long chains, and that's why they're best for recycling, because there's a lot of monkeys to move around to be able to shape into new shapes and new products. But shorter chains don't have the same kind of flexibility. So like a chain that has just one or two monkeys, you can't really move it as much. It's just not as flexible. And that is why plastic isn't infinitely recyclable the way glass or metal are because every time plastic gets recycled, those chains get shorter and shorter as part of the process. So plastic really generally only gets recycled about once, sometimes twice, before it ends up being made into something like fleece that can't be recycled enough anymore. And that's because there just aren't enough monkeys left in the chain. You know, this idea actually works really well for paper too. Paper is another thing that can't be infinitely recycled, although it's a little better than plastic. It can be recycled about four to seven times before it breaks down too much to be usable anymore. And with wood fiber, it's more like the, um, the arms of the monkeys get shorter and shorter. It's wood fibers that are softening so that they can't grip onto other wood fibers in the same way. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's all you need to know about monkeys and recycling, really. I think that is such a great example, though, Sarah. It's very understandable for a, a pretty complex chemistry behind plastic. So thank you so much for bringing the monkeys today. Uh, you know, and you mentioned paper as well. So I think a good example, just to share with our, our audience today, a good example of a paper that might be at the end of its road for recyclability would be like tissue paper. So typically what we sometimes see in gift bags at the holidays, uh, that is just too, too short of fibers, can't really do anything with it. So what we recommend for that is reuse it, reuse it as much as you possibly can. And any tissue paper that is plain, so no glitter, no metallic, nothing fancy on it, just plain tissue paper can go into the compost as well. So just as an outlet for that. Um, you know, I think with everything that we're talking about, it's also important to mention that some things are recyclable, but, you know, they're too tricky to put in the curbside system. Um, and typically what we look at for that is either the complexity of an item um, or sometimes even the safety of safety concerns related to how do we recycle this? How do we dispose of this in, in the safest possible way? Uh, so in a, an example I have for everyone today is batteries. That really fits both of those worlds. It, it's you know a safety concern. Of course, we would not want that in a truck compacting. Um, but it's also very complicated. There's a lot of materials in there. Uh, and what that means is it's recyclable, but it requires a specialized approach. That is so right, Jane. You know, really everything we've talked about so far has been very specific to curbside recycling programs and some basic recycling drop-off programs for materials like paper, cardboard, and metal cans. In general, those things have to be simple enough to be tossed in the back of a collection truck without danger of leaking 
or worse, exploding. And that's really where we come to the question of batteries. You know, this would actually be a good question for our participants, because I know there are lots of folks out there who are sitting and thinking about these complex materials and saying, well, I know something like that can be recycled, but I can't put it in my curbside bin. And I'm just a little confused as to why that is. So maybe if you're thinking of one of those items, um, I want to encourage you to put them in the Q&A. Um, let's see if anyone can think of some great examples of complex things that you know can be recycled even right here in Johnson County, but you also know not to put it in your curbside recycling bin. Yeah, we've got some great participation here. Thank you, everybody. Let's see. Light bulbs. Very good example there. And we get it. It's, you know, glass, it's metal. You'd think uh, that maybe, maybe it could be accepted. Um, but light bulbs is one of those things that definitely would require a special program. Do you want to delve a bit more into that, Jane? For light bulbs? Light bulbs and just these complex questions in general, maybe sure. even circling back to batteries. Yeah, I'm also seeing electronics. That's another great example. Uh, so we'll we'll take light bulbs for for a minute, and then of course I'm gonna circle back to batteries because I I love to nerd out about batteries. So light bulbs are a great example of you know LEDs have a small amount of lead in them, uh, and CFL bulbs have a small amount of mercury in them. So we don't want those to go into the curbside bin, especially the CFL ones, because if they break, that mercury is airborne, uh, which is a, a health hazard for anybody near uh, a broken CFL bulb. So a great example with light bulbs there. Uh, in terms of a few other ones that are very popular questions that we get, and also, uh, unfortunately, contaminants that they see over at our MRF in Scott County, I want to delve into two specific examples. So number one, batteries, and number two, those camping stove uh, propane tanks as well. So first looking at batteries, uh, and also, you know, kind of revealing myself as the battery nerd that I am with National Battery Day this Friday. So it's also a fitting topic uh, for speaking of today. Uh, but batteries have a lot of different types of materials in them, which makes them very complicated to recycle. So that is why in Iowa City, we've got programs for all types of batteries. You can recycle anything from single-use alkaline all the way up to lithium or lithium ion, lead acid batteries, et cetera. So we work with a variety of different companies that are battery experts. They know how to uh, basically dismantle those materials and reclaim or recycle what they can from them. Uh, for the alkaline batteries, we work with a company out of Des Moines called ATEC. For the lithium, for the lithium ion and other types of rechargeable, we work with Call to Recycle. And then for our lead acid, we work with Interstate Battery. So we work with a lot of different companies to get those batteries recycled through very specialized programs. Um, and the reason being, so why, why do we talk so much about batteries? Well, we don't want them to go into the curbside recycling. We don't want them to go into any trash can. Uh, and the reason being is that if they were to enter the back of a truck uh, that is compacting the material, or let's say that they end up in the landfill and we've got compactors or dozers that are uh, rolling over the trash to compact it, Oftentimes what happens is those batteries get damaged. When they get damaged, they spark and they cause a fire. Uh, and we've had you know, many fires at the Iowa City landfill that have been caused by batteries. We have found the battery as kind of a scorched metal mess 
Um, and, you know, absolutely been able to 100% confidently say this was caused by a battery. So that's definitely what we're trying to avoid for several reasons, obvious safety reasons involved with that operational hazards, um, damage to equipment, and then also really important here, the environmental hazard. So looking at when a battery is on fire, it's emitting hazardous material into the environment. So for all those reasons, we really want to avoid uh, having those landfill fires, which is why we have these specialized programs for batteries. Um, and you know, beyond the fire risk as well that we're trying to mitigate and prevent, uh, there's also a lot of materials and batteries that can be reclaimed and reused. So why not recycle them, right? So that's one example of a very specialized example and complex and a safety concern. The other one we wanted to mention too were those camping uh, stove propane tanks. They're the little ones, usually green in color. Uh, there's, there's different brands, but typically the ones that we see are kind of like a forest green. And uh, those are a hazardous material. They're very recyclable, but not via curbside, not via the trash, uh, because they're pressurized cans that have flammable substances in them. So that would be something that would come through our appliance recycling program out at the landfill. Um, so a metal can, yes, absolutely, but not via curbside. We've got a special program for that. You know, it strikes me, Jane, that the idea of a special program and the complexity of these materials also applies to electronics, which is something that came up in the Q&A. Yeah. Um, and in fact, has come up, in, we had a consultant recently for uh, Climate Actions ask, well, why, why not do an electronic curbside recycling program? And there too, the problem is that if you put it out on the curbside, there is material in it that can be recovered, sometimes very valuable material. And this is one of the reasons why you'll see um, sort of scrapper trucks sometimes drive around and pick up these materials. And what we've seen in neighboring counties where that happens is that the scrappers will take them to another location. They'll at, extract the material that's valuable. Often they'll leave the material that's not valuable behind, like in a mini storage unit or someplace where they're operating out of. Um, and they'll leave behind the hazardous materials as well. And so it becomes this compounding problem where that site effectively becomes a brownfield because of the hazardous material that's left exposed and not properly tended to or cared for. So when we have a program like our electronics recycling program where we're asking you maybe to take an extra step to take it someplace specific, we're doing that to make sure that there's a good chain of control all the way along and that the electronic is sent to a certified recycler who knows how to properly take it apart and uh, contain the materials that need to be contained and handle the hazardous materials that may be part of that electronic material as well. So it's really important. Yeah. And in fact, yeah. you know, brings us to another point we wanted to make about these special recyclables that should not go in your curbside recycling, like appliances and batteries and electronics. Um, some of these are illegal, in fact, to just send to the landfill in Johnson County, correct? Yeah, that's right, Sarah. So we've got a number of bans. And what a ban is, is it's saying that a particular item is not allowed to go into the trash. So it's not allowed to be landfilled. Instead, that material, that item needs to be diverted via alternative disposal options. So typically what that is, is a recycling program. So locally at our landfill, Iowa City Landfill, which serves all of Johnson County, Kelowna and Riverside, the bands that we have in place are on appliances, uh, TV and computer monitors, yard waste, cardboard, uh, oil, and uh, did I mention lead acid batteries? Maybe lead acid batteries and then tires. So a lot of different materials. Some of those are statewide bans. So at 
every landfill in Iowa, you are not allowed to put yard waste or oil in the landfill. Ones that are specific to Iowa City that we have uh, enacted just within our local community are TV and computer monitors and then cardboard. So the reason why we have these landfill bans in place is for, for one of two reasons. Either the material is so valuable and recyclable that why would we put it in the trash? So we've, we've enacted a, a landfill ban on it. A good example of that is cardboard. Cardboard is very recyclable. So we don't want its you know, ability to be reused and recycled again to be wasted by putting it in a landfill. The other reason is it's something that is hazardous or has safety concerns. Uh, just like what we talked about with the batteries, that could also apply to the oil or appliances or monitors, just like what you said with the brownfield concern uh, with not having a certified electronic recycler. There are hazardous materials in those electronics, in those appliances. So that's why we do not want them in the landfill. Um, and, and this is also kind of a, a funny thing to say, Sarah. I know you and I both chuckle at this, but it's almost like we're trying to keep the trash as clean as we possibly can. Uh, and yeah, exactly. I'm glad I got a laugh out of you for that. Uh, but, but really that's what it is because it's constantly us trying to mitigate and prevent any sort of environmental impact that we can. So if that means keeping the trash that much cleaner by having those hazardous materials diverted properly, then we're gonna do it. Yeah. That's a great explanation. Thanks so much for going into that, Jane. Yeah. Um, you know, I see we've got a lot of questions in the Q&A, so we want to make sure we have a lot of time to get as many of them answered as we can. And I will just say, if we don't get to your question today, Jane and I do print out the Q&A afterward. And if you've uh, provided an email address, we will follow up with you via email. So thanks yeah. for your patience with that. And we love getting all these great questions. Um, you know, before we dive in, Jane, do you just want to provide us with your recap elevator pitch on how to avoid wishful recycling? Is there some easy way to remember what to do? Sure. I know you and I both love when in doubt, throw it out, Sarah. And really what that means, you know, not applying to things like propane tanks and batteries. Uh, we, we use that kind of handy phrase uh, to get people to remember, you know, if you're not sure about something, don't put it into the recycling bin. What we typically recommend is check with your local program. So if you're in Iowa City, for example, we have our curbside recycling guide. We've got our drop-off recycling location information all on the website. Uh, and the easiest way to find that, if you're trying to navigate through our Iowa City website, uh, we actually have a quick link section where we've got all our web pages, all our guides linked in one section, which makes it really easy for navigation. And that is at our resource management webpage on the city website. So icgov.org slash resource management. So icgov.org slash resource management. All the information is there. Otherwise, of course, Sarah and I are always happy to chat with our residents. So if there's a question about a material, if you want to talk through something, always feel free to reach out to us as well. Yeah, agreed. You know, I love that you said that, Jane, when in doubt, throw it out, except for batteries. Yes. Um, I know that can feel like a really funny and surprising thing to say that one of the best things you can do to support recycling is to try to put some more things in the trash rather than in the recycling bin. But, you know, that goes right back to what we said at the beginning about how sorting the material drives up costs. And the less money we have to spend on getting materials sorted, the more we have to spend on recycling some of those tougher to recycle items like appliances and batteries. So keeping material that can't be recycled out of the recycling stream actually helps us devote more resources toward recycling more different types of materials in the long run. 
Okay, Jane, are you ready to hear some of these really great, great questions? And hopefully Zoom keeps me on this time. Absolutely. Do you want to, do you want to read them aloud? Yeah, I'll reading? do that. I'll scroll up as far as I can go. Um, it looks like pumps, pump tops on top of lotion, dishwashing and liquid shampoo and soap. Something that can be recycled? Nope. Regular trash. So take the pump out, wash out the bottle, the bottle's fine to recycle. Right. And that goes back to what we were saying. It's because it's got metal bits in it. Um, what about recycling multi-layer Tetra Pak containers, the kind used for juices and some food products? Fine to put into curbside recycling, or if you're at a drop-off location, put that into the paper bin. How about clamshells from grocery products? Regular trash. All right. And we have a comment asking the very popular question, um, you know, that it's inconvenient to not collect glass at the curbside and just wanting a little explanation yeah. as to why not. Yeah, that's one of my favorite topics, actually. Uh, so we are one of the communities that really stands by not having glass included in curbside single stream recycling. The reason being is that very different than the other types of materials that we're putting in those blue top uh, roll bins for curbside recycling, glass breaks. And when it breaks, we've got lots of different pieces that mix in with all those other single stream materials. What ends up happening is that those other materials get dusty and dirty from the glass shards. And in return, having all that mix of materials around the glass pieces actually dirties the glass, lowers its quality, makes it a lot more difficult to recycle. Uh, so what we do in Iowa City is we've got the separate drop-off locations to keep glass just with glass, which keeps it very clean, very high quality. Uh, and Ripple Glass, who we work with at Kansas City, they love our glass because it's such a clean, high quality product. So instead of looking at how we can include that in a single stream mix at the curb, we've taken a different approach. We're trying to make it even easier to bring your glass to the drop-off locations. Again, with the mission of keeping glass just with glass to, to keep it that good high recyclability. Um, and so coming very, very shortly in the next uh, month, hopefully, uh, we've got a few loose ends that we're uh, working through the logistics on, but we are adding three additional drop-off locations for glass. So that will make it so we've got six different options around the Iowa City area where you can bring your glass to be recycled. Yeah, that's, that's a great question, though. It is. And it too, it goes back to what we were talking about, the MRF, about how all of this material ends up on a conveyor belt that someone has to sift through, you know, just there too, remembering someone else is going to have to touch what you're putting in. And if that's broken glass, that's a hazard for the people who are doing that hard work of helping us recycle more material. So. Yeah. And to that point too, Sarah, some MRFs are not even built to be able to take class. Some are, some aren't. So in the MRFs where they're not built to take class, that's even more of an issue. Yeah. Um, we have a note from someone who says they're using brown lunch bags to collect kitchen compost and then putting all of it in the yellow bin. Fantastic. Thank you for yeah. doing that. That's exactly what you should be doing. That is great. Um, and then we see someone says they saw a video on Facebook that says plastic bottles for laundry detergent get too stained to actually recycle. Is this true or was this just some clever marketing trying to get them to try a new form of laundry detergent? No, I, I don't think that that's a concern. I think the main thing is just make sure, make sure you're rinsing it out and then, you know, re-screw that cap on the top. Um, that's a new creative one. I've not heard that one. Sarah, have you heard that one? 
Uh, no, I haven't heard that. Generally speaking, um, yeah. laundry detergent bottles are pretty, pretty high quality recycling material. Yep. Um, you know, this person notes that it may have been marketing connected to trying to get someone to use laundry sheets instead. And of course, there are some mm -hmm. really great reasons to try laundry sheets, but uh, the recyclability of the laundry detergent bottles, not one of them. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, what about plastic containers that have greens or lettuce? So this really sort of goes back to the clamshell in the supermarket question. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, anything that is clamshell nature. So it could be the berry containers, the lettuce containers, sometimes what we see holding like cookies or croissants in the bakery section, or you're getting takeout from a restaurant or a coffee shop or a gas station, whatever it is. Uh, any of those containers, it's just the way in which they are molded. Uh, whether it has a number on the bottom that looks like it's a number that is accepted, unfortunately, that's something that right now is just regular trash. Yeah. Uh, how about number one, clear plastic containers? This comes from someone who said when they called the Cedar Rapids Recycling, they said the city of Marion was the only place taking that. Number one, clear plastic containers. Uh, so it, I guess it would depend what type of container we're talking about here. Um, the majority of number one bottles and jugs and food and beverage type of containers were able to take unless it's the clamshell category. So that's really the big exception. Uh, and, you know, this, this is a great example, too, of why we've really moved away from the numbers uh, with our outreach and education for plastics, especially. So we, at this point, go by a description of types of containers and visuals. That's really what we go by at this point uh, because the clamshells made the numbers confusing to follow. Yeah. How about, um, do you know, Jane, what happens to film and stretchy plastics that are returned via retailers at supermarkets? Do they get recycled or do they just end up landfilling it? Yeah. Uh, so if we look at, for example, uh, Hy-Vee, I know, I believe Fairway has also worked with this company in the past. I don't know if they're currently contracted with them, uh, but Hy-Vee works with a company called Trex and Trex is, is a great partner to have. Uh, so what they do is they make the durable decking, durable uh, lawn furniture, uh, benches sometimes that we see in parks, really, really durable material. And they are actually collecting the film, the plastic bags, et cetera, uh, to form recycle into those different uh, materials or building materials for that matter. So yes, you know, that is, I would say that that is a sincere partnership. And again, uh, Trex is making some, some really great usable materials from that recycled content. Yeah, that's really a great example of how um, what determines whether something gets recycled in the end isn't whether or not it goes in a recycling bin, but whether or not it can be made into something else. And um, plastic bags and plastic films are just a great example of this because places like Hy-Vee that have a relationship with a factory like Trex that can make it into something, that plastic gets recycled. Other locations that collect plastic bags that don't have a relationship with a company like that may often end up landfilling it instead. So one of the great things you can do is ask that business what they know about what where the material goes. Because um, yeah. you know it's hard to know what every place is doing, um, but the place you're at will know specifically where they're sending their material, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Ooh, one that I have thought about so many times. <laughs> Little plastic films in the front of your mail showing the address underneath. Do you have to rip it out before recycling the envelope? You don't have to rip it out. 
that is something that will just be trash. Uh, so if you do happen to rip it out, just put it in the trash. If you don't rip it out, that's okay. There's a process at the paper mill where they can pull that out and then that's basically landfill residue. Uh, but no, it does not keep the paper from getting successfully recycled. And in fact, it's better if you don't rip it out because um, one, it, it goes back to that idea of things bouncing off the conveyor belt at the MRF. A whole envelope is big enough to stay on that conveyor belt, whereas a half an envelope that's had a bit torn away has a greater likelihood of bouncing off. Um, what I've been told from the MRF that processes our material is that anything smaller than the size of an index card is in the danger zone of material that may fall out of the process accidentally. Yeah. So uh, the next question, um, can you recycle syringes? Not the needle, obviously, but the plastic tubes that screw the needle on and the small plastic pieces that break off the needle to open them and the plastic tubes that the syringes come in. None of these things have recycling numbers on them. No, uh, yeah, we would not want that through. Unfortunately, that is a, a pretty dangerous contaminant that our MRF does see. Uh, we'd love to see a reduction in that because that's a hazard for many, many reasons. But no, even the plastic parts, we wouldn't want those coming through recycling. Um, if anything has been used uh, by an individual, you know, as, as a medication or whatever, uh, that is something we would want through our syringes disposal program, which is through our hazardous material collection facility. If it's something that has not been used, if it's just a plastic piece that's remaining from something, uh, the best place for that is the regular trash. However, if there is a loose needle, uh, we do recommend, you know, make sure that's contained in a syringe container uh, until you, you know, eventually dispose of, of the syringes via hazardous material. Yeah. Um, I know we've touched on plastics quite a bit, but it looks like we've got a couple questions related to what types of plastics can be recycled. So fives and sevens are no go. Um, questions about number six that aren't styrofoam. You want to touch on that as, as briefly as you can? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, number seven is a tricky one. That's sort of the other category. That's where everything that isn't a one through six ends up usually. Uh, and in, in it's unfortunately because there's such a mix of different types of plastic within the number seven category, it's arguable that there's a pretty low percentage of number seven that actually gets recycled. However, we don't, you know, compared to especially number ones and number twos, we don't see quite as much number seven anyway. So that's a good thing to begin with, you know, in terms of the majority of what a MRF is seeing, really a lot of it is one and two, which is great because that's the most recyclable as it is. Um, number five, it is a plastic that is accepted. It can technically be recycled, but as Sarah said, it's a lot shorter life because it's got those shorter polymer chains. Um, anything else you want to add to that, Sarah? I'm a, otherwise, I'll keep rambling about plastics. Um, I, my sense is we're probably hitting on them as well as we move through, so we'll we'll keep going. Okay. Um, you know, the only other thing I guess I would say about number fives is that definitely falls in the category of material that fluctuates in terms of market demand. And that goes back to what we we're saying that what makes something recycled is when someplace can take it and turn it into something else. Sometimes there are factories that um, have a need for number five plastics and sometimes they don't. And when they yeah. don't, that material then gets diverted out of the uh, recycling stream into the landfill for lack of a place to go. Yeah. So how about old books that can't be reused? Um, and I think probably you want to make a distinction here between paperbacks and hardbacks, right? 
Yeah. So paperback or soft cover books, those are fine to put into curbside recycling. So think of things like phone books, for example, that's fine to put into curbside recycling or the paper bins at our drop-off locations, such as Eastside or South Riverside. Hardcover books are different because of the cover and the binding. And so we do not want those in regular recycling. Uh, that would be sort of like batteries or propane tanks, some of these specialized programs that we're talking about here, uh, just because it's a different process to remove that cover and that binding. So we do have a hardcover book recycling program. It's a separate bin out at the Iowa City landfill. So if anybody has hardcover books, you can bring those out to the Iowa City landfill. It's no cost. And that collection bin is actually at the on the back wall of our electronic recycling garage bay at the landfill about blue and white Amazon envelopes? Where do they go? Ooh, uh, without knowing the stretch of them, I would say best place for that would be regular trash. Yeah, there are some, you could check at Hy-Vee, there are some programs that will accept the bubble, the mm. bubble wrap packaging yeah. in with the um, grocery bags that they're collecting because it falls in the same category, but they're exactly, you want to check with the location before dropping it off. Mm -hmm. Oh, Del Holland is asking us about plastic toys and whether the uh, my monkeys can be recycled. Uh, no, they can't, unfortunately, um, yeah. which means that the monkeys are a great candidate for something that's even better than recycling in most cases, which is reuse. So these monkeys have been a lot of places and they've been played with by a lot of kids and been part of many recycling demonstrations. But um, just as with the uh, monkeys, which are kind of stiff and rigid, um, if you think about most plastic toys, you know, same story. That's a very stiff and rigid plastic that can't be molded back into something else. And a lot of plastic toys um, will have little metal bits in them as well, which also make them bad candidates for recycling. So um, yeah. with plastic toys, it's good to use them as long as possible um, or even think about alternate materials. Yeah, and Sarah, I see Dell also asked about prescription bottles mm -hmm. and lids. So yeah, as long as they're cleaned out, leave those caps on. Um, I actually think those types of containers are, there's a lot of really interesting reuse opportunities for those too, uh, but those are fine to put into, you know, regular recycling, um, leave the caps on, anything like vitamin bottles too, those types of things are fine. Yeah. Um, and I, I may have gotten us in some trouble. One of the things Feather Lacey is saying is that information for Iowa City says one through five and seven are good. So why not yogurt containers, like I just said? And I want to say, um, you know, all recycling is local. And in the place where I was putting some of those yogurt containers in, they very clearly said just number one and two plastics. So that was on me for not honoring that. I did not know better. But recycling is that way. It can be tough. You know, one of the things I'm reminded in this whole discussion is like how lucky we are to have someone like Jane, who's available all day long to answer questions like these, um, and in fact can be reached on our recycling hotline at 887-6110. Um, and the fact so that is, I have- Is that an official hotline, Sarah? <laughs> tells you how often I use it, that I know exactly what it is. Yeah, but, um, I know your number by heart too, don't worry. <laughs> you know, the other question about yogurt containers, and that just goes back to what we were saying, is that's one of those areas where the markets fluctuate for it. And so in that case, we accept it because it's better to let the MRF sort it out when we do have those opportunities to recycle it than to miss that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, what about extra chopsticks, Jane? 
Yeah. And you know what? I see one further up that I think is probably where you can't see those comments anymore there, Sarah. So I'll just address this real quick. Uh, lids or the plastic ring connected to the top of single use drinking water bottles. So just leave that lid on. That is a different type of plastic. And just like what Sarah was talking about, you know, there are certain types of plastics that can be recycled or a plastic mill has a method to remove that later, but in order to get it successfully through the sorting system uh, to begin with so that it's not bouncing off the conveyor belts uh, and end up being landfill because it's too small of a material, just leave that uh, screwed on to the top of those bottles. Yeah. And then chopsticks. So there's different types of chopsticks. If we're talking about the classic kind of wooden ones, uh, not recycling. However, uh, if you have those and you have no use for them, those technically could be composted. So again, I'm talking about the natural wood ones. Um, I also recommend, and I do this within my own household, I keep those. Um, and either I'll use them for a meal later on, or I'll use them for other things. I actually have used uh, chopsticks for different art pro art projects and such. So there's different uses as well. But if you're just looking for a way to get rid of them, uh, the compost bin is fine for those. Yeah. Jane, how about furnace filters? Regular trash. Okay. Yeah. We've got quite a few milk cartons, which we've covered. Red glass jar. Hmm. Yeah, that's, we don't see a lot of red glass, but that, that's okay to put into uh, the glass bin at our drop-off locations, as long as it's cleaned out, that is fine. How about aluminum pie tins that come with food in them if you wash that food out? Yeah, if you wash the food out, if it's clean, that is totally fine. Aluminum is one of our all-star recycling materials. Uh, so yes, we definitely encourage that to go into the recycling bin once cleaned out. Um, there's a really great question in here about what happens between curbside pickup and delivery to the MRF. Um, and that may actually be a good one to end on since I see we've only got a couple minutes left. But again, I want to reiterate, if we did not get to your question, we will email you to follow up so that you have a definite answer. And of course, you can always reach out to Jane or myself at any time with follow-up questions as well. But you want to talk a little about the process going from curbside to the MRF? Yeah, definitely. So when our trucks pick up the curbside recycling, they take when the, once they have a full truck, they transport that over to ABC Disposal Systems. They have a location on the east side of Iowa City, uh, off of Highway Six there, and uh, from there they unload the truck. That material gets baled, so it gets compacted into these squares, loaded on another truck, and then that is transported over to the Waste Commission of Scott County, the MRF we were telling you all about. So that is our sorting facility, and that is where the material gets unbound and then it ends up traveling down those conveyor belt systems and sorted from there. And then the Waste Commission does a great job of working with uh, all sorts of different recycling companies and mills to provide that sorted material too. So then they are the ones that eventually get the material to the plastic mills, to the paper mills, to all these different recycling entities. Uh, and then that is where the recycling actually occurs. And Sarah and I also love to share the fact that in you know the Waste Commission of Scott County's mission statement, which is so wonderful, especially with some of the 
difficulties that recycling has had in the last few years, they really have it built into their mission statement to keep materials as local as possible. So really keeping it within our region, um, looking for paper or glass or metal, et cetera, uh, companies that are, are close to home, uh, which also from an environmental standpoint is better anyway if we're reducing those transportation costs. Yeah. Or emissions, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Should, should I mention my favorite fun fact about our curbside paper and cardboard recycling, Jane? I, as it relates I, to the MRF? I would love that. And I'll also say, Sarah and I were expecting that this might go a few minutes over. We're happy to stay on to kind of wrap things up. If anyone needs to get off, though, that's completely fine. Uh, we thank you for joining us. But we'll, we'll keep going for just a few minutes here. And yes, Sarah, please share your fact. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for joining in. And, you know, if there's one big takeaway from this, it's that recycling is complex, even for people who are in recycling, like Jane and myself, who are always calling each other to get questions answered. So if you've come with questions, that's great. We would rather have people have questions and reach out and ask them than just make assumptions and throw stuff into recycling. So we are here to help. But here's my fun fact. I'm going to put my monkeys down. Um, because the Waste Commission of Scott County has such great regional partnerships um, with area or with factories that can re return material to use, um, it's possible to have a actually shockingly quick turnaround on some of the recycling processes. The clearest example of which is my favorite cardboard recycling. Um, from the time you put your cardboard into your curbside bin and it gets collected by the trucks that Jane was just talking about, taken to another location to be bailed. Those bales are sent to the MRF in Scott County. They're taken apart and sorted. The cardboard is pulled out and rebailed and then sent to a paper mill, um, in this case in Valparaiso, Indiana, where the material is pulped and then reformed into new cardboard, then cut into boxes sold to Amazon, repackaged with something in it and delivered to another house. All of those things elap or elapse in just 11 days. So anything you are putting into your curbside car or cardboard recycling right now, by the end of next week will be delivered to someone else's home as a brand new box, which is just an amazing example to me of how when recycling works well, it can really work. And yeah. when it has some complicating factors, well, we're committed to helping sort through those. Absolutely, yeah. Now, Sarah, should we do our quick poll at the end here? Oh, yes, that's a great idea. Um, okay. As I had mentioned earlier, because we are having these Zoom issues as demonstrated here, um, one of the options Jane and I have been exploring basically is just turning the video feed off, which would free up a lot of bandwidth for extra participants. Um, but we actually honestly don't know if there's value in being able to see us as well as hear us, or if um, you're fine just being able to hear our voices. So if you have a minute, if you have a gut feeling of how you'd like to see these future discussions go, whether video on or video off, if you would just put that in the Q&A box, just those words, video on or video off, that would be really helpful to us. And thank you so much for that feedback. And thanks, Jane, for remembering that. I get so excited yeah. about that cardboard recycling. Oh, I know, I know. Well, and and we appreciate any feedback our audience has on this because of course we want this to be a, a meaningful event format, uh, but we also, it really hurts our hearts when we cut out. So we're, we're trying to find a format that works best for both of those things, yeah. Oh, super helpful. Thank you, everybody. Wonderful.
there's still time to add that in if you want to. We'll give it a few more seconds there. Um, we are, uh, I would say, at the end of our event, Sarah. So um, beyond beyond this event, though, of course, you know, if any of our attendees have questions, always feel free to reach out uh, to Sarah or I. And a big thank you for to everyone joining us today. Thank you very much. Yeah, and happy Valentine's Day. We love the love you have for recycling. Yes, thank you, everybody.